know that this event is going to be amazing this weekend. I have been praying for months for this event. I wish I could be there, but this is going to be second best. Maybe next time I'll be able to come. Thank you so much, Grace Baptist Church. This is such a difficult thing to put on to get ladies together and to get things all working out smooth. I know Mrs. Lynn has put so much effort into this and so have the ladies of the church. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I have been praying for this weekend. I know God is going to do tremendous things through this church. Um, Life is not always how we expect it to be, is it? I mean, even the last two years have been totally flipped around from what we thought it was going to be. There's trials, there's tribulations, there's dirty laundry, there's dirty diapers, dirty dishes, fighting children. Because of all of this, we need encouragement. Encouragement is a necessity in our life. This past Christmas season, I was searching and searching and searching for a large six-foot manger scene. And those things are expensive. I looked all over the internet. I was looking through social media. And as I kept searching and searching, I thought, you know what? These things are so expensive. I'm just going to wait till after Christmas to purchase one. So I'll just get a majorly discounted price. And the reason I wanted one is we have children throughout our neighborhood that just run. Maybe it's like your neighborhood. Kids are just running around. You know, there's no adults. They're just everywhere. And I wanted at Christmas people to not just see the sparkling lights. I wanted them to see a manger scene where they see the baby Jesus and they see what Christmas is truly about. So then when we would be outside and those kids would come around on their bikes and they say, what is this? What's this decoration? I could point it all back to why we have Christmas, the whole meaning of Christmas being about Jesus Christ. So I kept searching, searching. I finally said, okay, I'm just going to get one after Christmas. Well, about a week and a half before Christmas, on social media pops up this beautiful, gorgeous manger scene. One that like, like Facebook knew what I was thinking. And it was six foot tall. It had Mary, Joseph, the baby. Mary didn't even have a halo. I mean, it was like exactly what I was looking for. It was sparkling gold lights. It was gorgeous. And as I'm looking at it, and I scroll down, it was only $37. And I thought, $37? I can get one of these. I can get one of these right now. But then as you read, it said the reason it was so cheap is that they were clearing out all of their, clearing out their warehouse. And eventually you would be getting it because you're ordering from across seas. So I thought, that's okay. I was going to be waiting until after Christmas anyway, so no big deal. So I immediately, you know, I get out my card, punch in my numbers, and I I click, you know, buy now. So I'm so excited. Couldn't wait to get my manger scene, but I knew I was going to have to wait. And that was no big deal to me. So I waited, and I waited, and I waited. 
you know, February came along, March came along, and I thought a little bit about it. And I thought, maybe, maybe I should check the tracking because it has been a few months now. So I checked the tracking and it says, hey, it's in transit. It's on its way. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to get that manger scene. So then a few weeks later, in the middle of April, I am with my kids at our house. It's on a Friday evening and I'm at our island washing the dishes. And my husband comes in and he says, hey, you have a package. And he sits it down beside me. And it's a smaller package and it had um, different language on it. And I looked down and you know what? My sister-in-law, she loves ordering from the Wish app. Are you familiar with that? She ordered from, she always orders things from there. Funny things, silly things, cute little things because it's so cheap, three to $5. And she'll send me things. So I looked down and I thought, oh, Heather must have sent me a gift from the Wish app. So I finish up washing the dishes and I grab what she sent me and it looked just like this. And I opened it up, what I thought Heather had sent me. And what it really was, was my six foot manger scene sent to me in a decal. What a disappointment that was. This is my $37 manger scene. You know, it was almost like, you know, you didn't even have to send it. They were kind of just sending it to rub it in, you know, because by this time, I'm not going to be able to get my money back. I'm not going to be able to put up a fight for it. But it was very disappointing and yet kind of funny because I have a sense of humor. But things in life are disappointing. And because of that, because of that, we need encouragement. Life's not how we always expect it to be. Disappointments happen. Discouragements arise. But what do we do when the discouragement arises? Before we get into that, we're going to pray. Lord, I praise you and thank you for the opportunity to come before you I thank you for the opportunity to share with these ladies what I have learned from your word about how to be encouraged in you. I pray that these truths will be long lasting in their lives. I pray that this will help people. Lord, I pray that anything that is offensive about me or distracting, I pray that you will remove all those distractions. I pray that those who are listening will only hear your truth. I pray that you'll use me, and I pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. When you look up the origins of the word encourage, it comes from a French word, and this is what it means, to make strong or to hearten. You know, like we talk about hearty soup, you know, a, a good strengthening soup. My husband and I love to garden. Really not me because I kill everything, but my husband is an amazing gardener. He's from Florida and he can make anything grow. Um, part of the gardening process that I have, th that this desert girl from Las Vegas has learned is that you don't just water, you don't just feed, you know, get the nutrients and put it in, but you have to prune. 
we had this beautiful pear tree growing and I loved it. I thought, look at this tree. It is the cutest little tree. Buds started coming and the little tiny pears actually started coming out. And I was taking pictures of it and putting it on Facebook like, look, we have a pear tree. This is so cute. And my husband came around. He said, you know, now at this time, the pear tree is about this tall. And he says, you know, we have to prune that down to be about two feet tall. And I said, but the pears, what about the pears? And he said, the reason we have to cut it down is it's its first time growing up. And what happens if we don't cut it all down, if we don't prune it down, what happens is all the nutrients get spread all throughout this tiny, thin little branch and all the base of the tree, the trunk, this tiny thing, it goes all the way out. And then the base never gets fully grown and steady and strengthened. So what we have to do is prune it down to about two feet. So then next year, it'll be stronger and stronger and stronger. And this little pear tree that will only last for a couple years, if we don't prune it down, will last for so many years if we prune it down the right way. You know, sometimes if we look at that definition of encouragement to strengthen it doesn't always mean that it feels good. Sometimes encouragement can actually hurt. It, it hurt me to watch him cut, prune that tree. It hurt the tree. It had to be cut down for it to be able to strengthen and grow. Encouragement is not flattering words. Encouragement can actually be painful. It hurts me to prune that. Like I said, it, it actually hurts. I look and I'm like, oh, oh, that pear tree, don't do that to me. This same principle can be true spiritually. When we encourage each other spiritually, we strengthen our spiritual walk. But how can encouragement be painful? Just like pruning hurts, let's let's take that to constructional criticism. Or maybe when we discipline our children, it doesn't feel good, but it brings growth that can strengthen them in later on in life. My little girl, Felicity, a little while ago now, Felicity, if you see her, she literally looks like a precious moment. She is the cutest little kid. She's so adorable. She's super cute and sweet. Well, she had gotten in trouble and we had done some disciplining. And I was in the back room and she had she, all the discipline was over. And she sat in my lap all snuggled. And she looked at me and she said, Mommy. And this is how she still has little tears streaming down her eyes. And like I said, this was the reconciliation part. She's already asked for forgiveness. I told her she was forgiven. We were loving each other. She is snuggling me. She said, Mommy, does Grandma spank you? And I said, Oh, honey, no, not anymore. She looked up at me and said, I wish she would. 
that little girl, she did not enjoy the encouragement that she was receiving to do right through discipline. So oftentimes we may just have the wrong idea of what encouragement actually looks like. Now, I want you to go back in time with me. There was a young man who was promised the world. He was promised to be royalty. He was promised leadership. He was promised that he would have it all together. He's going to have it all. And yet he was living in exile from his own country. He was despised so much that his in-laws were now seeking his demise. His father-in-law attempted to murder him, not just once, but on multiple occasions. Many, I'm sure, are familiar with this feud, this family feud between King David and King Saul. Our story picks up in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to briefly summarize. Long story short, David had made friends with the Philistines. He was out and about. Israel's king is now chasing after him. And he had made friends with the Philistines. And the king, his name was Achish, King Achish. He actually gave David and his men a piece of land. He said, see this land called Ziklag? This is yours. I like you, David. Here, you don't have to be in caves anymore. You can have this land. It's called Ziklag. So David and his 600 men and their families lived there in the land of Ziklag. Now, hold that thought right there. The Philistines were at war with one another, with Israel. Now, that's something that happens constantly. That has happened. That happened for years and years. And David's homeland is Israel. This is just so common. Now, David volunteers to take him and his 600 men to war alongside the Philistines against his own homeland. So all the troops gather together. They get all their stuff ready to go fight and they leave. They leave their wives and they leave their children behind in this land called Ziklag. And they're going to go fight against the Israelites. Once they meet up with all the other warriors, a few of the Philistine leaders look and say, "Um, excuse me, King Achish. Uh, what's this guy David doing here? Now they knew David because they had heard the songs saying Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They have heard about David. They know who David is. He, they know he's from Israel. They know that he's supposed to be the king of Israel. And so these other people joined up and said, uh, 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 we're not fighting with this guy. And Achish says, no, he's he's my friend. He's on my team. But then Achish said, okay, hey, David. He goes to David privately and he says, okay, you got to go home. Go back to Ziklag. I trust you, but these other guys, not so much. So David and his men packed up and they head home to Ziklag. Yay, they don't have to go to war. But as they're getting closer... 
in the distance. Just picture them, the 600 men traveling home, excited to see their wives and children, some of them knowing that they weren't going to be coming home if they were going to be in this war. They look and they see smoke rising in the distance. They see the fire burning. I imagine them dropping whatever they took with them. They're running to their land, running to go see if their children and their wives are all right. What will they find? The Amalekites. These are some really, really, really bad people. And they ambushed Ziklag. They kidnapped every single woman, every single child, and they burnt Ziklag to the ground. Have you ever misplaced a child? You know, you're at the grocery store, you're at an amusement park, and the child runs off. I know when that's happened to me, my heart sinks, and I think of every horrible scenario that could be going on with my child right then. And what could happen to them in the future? I imagine that's exactly how David was feeling. And those 600 men. Oh, what are they going to do to our kids? These are wicked, godless people. What are they going to do to my wife? And then in this anguish, David hears some of his own mighty men start speaking about killing him. David here was at the lowest point of his life. The Bible says that he was, he was distressed. His two wives were stolen. And now his mighty men were about to murder him. What did David do? in this discouraged state. Let's look at what happened next. We're gonna look at the three things that David chose to do when he needed to encourage himself spiritually in the Lord. The story picks up in 1 Samuel 30, verse six. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. They were all brokenhearted. They were all grieving every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. I want you to see here the first thing that David did when he was discouraged, when he was distressed, when he was grieving, he sought out godly counsel. He purposefully went to godly counsel. He didn't go and defend himself against his friends who were saying wrong things about him. He didn't go and seek counsel from his friend Achish, the king. No, he sought a godly counselor. You see here, the second thing he did was he prayed about it. 
he sought out the word of the Lord for his will. You see in verse seven, when it speaks about the ephod, the ephod was this chess piece of 12 stones. And it represented, those 12 stones represented all the tribes of Israel. And this was a really cool thing that God used to speak to Israel. They would go and speak to it, and the Lord would use those 12 stones to speak back to Israel, to answer Israel. So God said, through that ephod, what we're going to be about to hear next. Verse 8, And David inquired of the Lord. He asked the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Should I go after these Amalekites that have taken our children and wives? Shall I overtake them? And I love this. And he answered him. You see, God has an answer for you. God wants you to seek his counsel. He has the answer. And what was his answer? He said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Verse nine, so David went, and I love that about David. He and the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. The third thing we see about David is that David took action. As soon as he went and he looked for godly counsel and the godly counsel directed him to the ephod to go directly to God and God told him what to do, he did it. What I wanna ask you today Do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Do you seek out godly counsel? When you're discouraged, who do you go to? Do you go to social media? Do you go to your best girlfriend? Who do you go to? Do you search his word, inquiring of the Lord what he would have you to do when you're discouraged? And when the Lord speaks to you, do you take action? So often, I have been in ministry my entire life, and so often this is what I have seen. People will seek counsel. They'll go to church. They'll sit in services. They'll find people on social media that are giving godly counsel. Many will search his word. Many will read the Bible. Many will get answers from the Lord. They'll ask God for counsel. But the last step seems to be the most difficult for people to take. Taking action. What is it that God is calling you to do today in your discouraged state? Does he desire that you get up out of bed? Go to church? Is he calling you to volunteer at a pregnancy crisis center? Is he calling you to start showing love to your family? instead of disgust? Is he asking you to do the laundry? Is he asking you to take care of yourself physically? Take a bike ride with your kids? Is the Lord calling you to take action, to adopt? I don't know what it is. Do you need to call your nursery director 
and schedule a time for you to serve? You see, David, first of all, sought out godly counsel. He sought out the word of God for his will. And then David took action. We can seek out all the help in the world. We can get all the godly counsel in the world. We can spend hours in prayer and Bible study. But if we don't take action to what the Lord is calling us to do, we're just going to stay in our discouraged state. I want us to think a little bit. Let's backtrack. What would have happened if David only sought out godly counsel? What if all he did was go to the priest and his son? What would have happened if he only inquired of the Lord for direction? I'll tell you what I think would have happened. His discouraged followers would have stoned him and they would have never recovered their wives and their children. But I am happy to report that David took action. And because of that, he not only brought encouragement to himself, but because he took action, he brought encouragement to 600 men and their families. They were able to recover every single one of their family members, and not one of them were harmed. When you look up the word encouraged, when you look up the word and it says David encouraged himself in the Lord, in this passage, it literally means to fasten upon, to seize, to cleave, to bind. When the Bible speaks here of encouragement, it literally means that we need to cleave to Jesus. When we cleave to Jesus, we will have the courage to complete the call to action that he is asking us to do. Let me say that again. When we cleave to Jesus, we will have the courage to complete the call to action that he is desiring of us to do. The action that will help pull us and others out of discouragement. You see, when you encourage yourself in the Lord, you see your situation from a totally different vantage point. You see the situation from the way God sees you and your situation. When the enemy says that you are condemned, he says you're forgiven. When the enemy says that you are worthless, Jesus says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. When the enemy says no one cares about you, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. When the enemy says that you are unsuccessful, he says, I will show my glory through you. When the enemy tells you that you are afraid, he says, my child, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When the enemy makes you feel ugly, body shames you, makes you feel like a disgusting slob. Jesus says, you have been made in the very image and likeness of God himself. When the enemy tells you that you have no friends, Jesus assures you that he is the friend that sticks closer than any brother. And when you are discouraged to the point of death itself, 
Jesus says, I love you. I have a plan for you, a purpose for you. Stay here a little while with me. I understand. It is in those times that we realize that encouragement is not a luxury. It is a necessity. So let me ask you, friend, are you discouraged? I know I can get discouraged. We can all get discouraged. But what steps do you need to take? Do you need to seek out godly counsel? Is that the step you're at? Do you need to seek out God's word in prayer and Bible study to find out his will? Are you at the step where you need to take action? You know what to do, and you need to ask God for the faith to help you take the next step to do the next right thing. Look, you can be encouraged, and you can bring that courage to others. It takes courage to do the right thing. What steps will you take today to be encouraged? Let's close in prayer. Lord, I love you. You know it's so easy for me to get discouraged. I know that we live in a world that has fallen of sin. And that's discouraging. But you want us to live a life full of courage. And to be encouraged and to encourage others. Lord, I pray for the women here today that they won't just hear your word, but they will leave and they will study this passage. Pray that tonight when they go home, that they'll read over the passage that we went over and that they will gain strength and courage by spending that time alone with you. Lord, the ladies that need to go and seek out godly counsel, I pray that they will and that you will guide them to the right counselors. Lord, I pray for the ladies who need to just spend time with you searching your word in in prayer and Bible study, seeking what you'd have them to do. I pray that they will do that. Lord, I pray for those who know what they're wanting to do, but they're just too scared. I pray that you, they will find the courage in you and they will take that action step to follow whatever it is that you have them to do. Thank you again for this wonderful church and this opportunity to serve you. Thank you. I pray that you'll bless the Lynns. I pray that you'll just continue to work in their life and through this church, and they will see many come to know you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.